This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Emily Fancher, Assistant Metro Editor, filling in for columnist Heather Knight. I'm here today with Dominic Fracasa, who covers the mayor and city hall politics. Dom wrote a story this week explaining how the mayor and several supervisors are battling over how to build more affordable and teacher housing. We'll talk about the dynamics behind the tug of war between these two sides. I'll be right back with Dom. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, Dom. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, We're here today to talk about affordable housing, which is really at a crisis point uh, in our region. And we're going to get into the dueling visions for how to build uh, more affordable and teacher housing in a moment. But first, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about the size and scale of the problem. Yeah. I mean, affordable housing is, I guess, broadly what everyone agrees is a good solution to an affordability crisis. I think anyone who has tried to rent an apartment or buy a house even in San Francisco or even sort of the, the greater Bay Area um, has confronted just how you know jaw-droppingly expensive it is to, to live here. Um, so that's why people move away. That's why people commute, you know, three hours uh, one way just to work in San Francisco, but live somewhere in sort of the, the, out, the East Bay or outer regions where it's, you know, marginally more uh, uh, affordable to live. So affordable housing, you know, housing where, you know, they call it deed restricting, where um, units are reserved specifically for, for people at specific income levels. Um, I think a really good example of it is, you know, and kind of a sad example of it can be seen in, you know, the, the mayor's office of housing, sort of the clearinghouse for affordable housing in San Francisco, a main hub of it um, inside city government. They have lotteries to determine who is going to be able to uh, um, rent an affordable unit. And I think just the, I have the numbers right here, actually, the the, de- the supply versus demand is really stark. So the most recent one happened in March. There were 72 units um, uh, available at a um, at an affordable affordable housing complex in Hayes Valley, there were over 5,600 people who applied to that. And routinely, if you go back, you know, through these lottery numbers, there are instances where it's 100 to 1, uh, 100 times greater in some cases. So I think, um, you know, I, th- I think that unfortunately paints the picture pretty well. Yeah, I agreed. Um, 
tell us, what does it take to get an affordable project built now? And how much or how little affordable housing um, has the city built in the last few years? Yeah, it takes a long time and a lot of money, uh, unfortunately, which is kind of why we're at this crisis point where we are, right? I mean, um, I believe, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Emily, it's about $700,000 to build a single unit of affordable housing. That's not you know, obviously that's not a whole building, that's that's a single unit. So that's, I mean, th- that's how much it costs. That's how much developers have to sort of raise in these very precarious funding bundles, if you will. They're trying their hardest to take advantage of these complicated federal, state, and local tax credits that help them, you know, afford to build these units. Um, They're dealing with changes to the law all the time that affect uh, uh, how they can apply or or, or be eligible for those tax credits. You know, these these houses, these buildings are going to be affordable. So it's not like, you know, they can get a loan from a bank easily and say, hey, this is a a great money-making opportunity. That's just not how it works. So the first step, getting the money together, uh, having the investment there is a total mishmash, a total patchwork of all of these sources of funding that 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 change every year. So that's that's kind of on the funding side of it. It's very precarious and it's complicated and rarely very straightforward for affordable housing developers. On the other uh, side, if you will, or, or, or sort of on a parallel track is getting permission to build in, in these specific locations on, on parcels of city land. So that's a process that takes, again, Emily, you know this better than I do in some cases. I mean, it can take about five years, right, in, in, in most instances to get all of the permits and approvals and and clearances from the city to be able to to even you know lay lay down a brick that's a that's a very bad construction metaphor but before you can even start you're looking at 5 years and millions of dollars in investments and any delay which we'll get to in a bit any delay to that process makes it cost even more wow um so tell us a little bit about what's the mayor's plan to help get more affordable and teacher housing built. Um, I think it's a, a twofold plan, um, but tell us a little bit about what she is thinking. Yeah, exactly. The, w- since she was running for mayor in the first place, London Breed has said, I want to build more housing and I want to build it faster. And she's prioritized affordable housing um, as, as one sort of um, tranche, if you will, of that of that plan overall. So what the mayor has in mind is, is indeed twofold. She's got two things that she wants to get in front of voters this coming November. One of those is an amendment to the city's charter or effectively the city's constitution that would make technical changes that would make it faster to get affordable housing projects approved by city government. What, what sort of what she has said is, look, I don't want what I have the ability to change how the city or, you know, or at least ask voters to change how the city does business to speed this up. I don't want my government, the mayor's government, getting in the way of, of something that everybody agrees that we need. So this it's it's you know, it's te- housing is always technical. Basically, what this would do is change the way that the planning department in many cases reviews and approves projects. It would limit the subjectivity, if you will, that planners can sort of foist onto projects. I don't like lights quite like this. I don't think this fits in with the community. And, you know, developers have to go back and retool. And that takes time and then get a meet, another meeting with the planner before they can get these projects built. So it would also, and perhaps most controversially, um, it would eliminate the public's ability to appeal these projects. So any development, if you've got a few hundred dollars and some time or access to an attorney, you can challenge a project, force the planning commission to review something even after planning staff has given it the green light. That ties up projects. It 
makes them more expensive because housing costs rise every single year by about a factor of 10%. And so that's seen, you know, really as kind of a tool of NIMBYs in many cases, not in my backyard. I'm going to challenge this. I'm going to tie it up. I'm going to make it more expensive, even if, you know, ultimately, um, I don't think any affordable housing project, some have been, you know, subject to these challenges before. None have gone completely by the wayside. They usually survive them, but it takes time and, and makes it more expensive. So that's that's one element. The other is an, an ordinance so a, a change in the law that would uh, rezone a large swath of the city, many individual parcels, about 3,000 parcels overall, that currently it's illegal to build housing on those parcels. They're public land, but you can't build housing on them the way the law is written now. This change, if voters approve it, would allow, at, at least make it um, at least open the opportunity that housing could be built there in the first place. Now, not all of those 3,000 you can actually build housing on, only a fraction, maybe even only a third you could actually build something on for various reasons. It's too hilly or it's it's just not right for development. So, so that is what the mayor has in mind, which kind of, you know, gets us to the, the similar measure from the board that we'll talk about. Yeah. So this is a good time to jump to that. Um, the supervisors introduced or several supervisors introduced their own vision of how to fix this broken system. Um, what do they want to do and how does it differ from the mayor's plan? Yeah, there's a lot of last minute politicking going on right under a, a, an important Department of Elections deadline this week. So the mayor announced months, maybe a month ago or more, that this rezoning ordinance was something that she had in mind and that was something that she was going to put on the ballot herself. The day before, the, the day of the deadline to get these ordinances on the ballot, the Board of Supervisors, um, a faction of them at least, said, we don't really like the mayor's vision here per se. We want to introduce our own. We want to effectively compete with the mayor's vision around how she defines things like affordable housing. We want to introduce a similar but, but substantially in, in meaningful ways a, a different measure that seeks to do the same thing to rezone large portions of the city to make it um, available to build housing there. Um, but there are you know, differences that I think we'll get into in a minute around basically how they define what affordability is. So this is housing for um, – uh, you know, low to middle income people and also separately, and this is part of the mayor's plan as well, uh, housing reserved for educators and school staff with the rationale that we want to keep good educators in our city. Teachers don't make a lot of money. Paraprofessionals and school staff usually make even less. And so we need to keep these people in our city to create a good education system and not force teachers in particular to, you know, leave the city altogether or have to, you know, commute in and live elsewhere because they can't afford it. How substantive are the differences? I th again, they share the same broad goal, right, of rezoning all of this land, making it available for housing. And where they differ are on these specific, again, definitions of how they define what affordability is. For example, um, setting aside teacher housing for a second, the mayor defines affordability. So and th this is important because it defines what kind of projects will be built on this rezoned land, right? That's, that's why this is so important. That's why the definition matters. The mayor says, well, look, if you make 140% of the area median income, which for an individual person would be about $120,000 a year, almost $121,000, projects would be considered, quote unquote, affordable if units are offered to people making at most that much money. You can, you know, if you can get the financing together and get all the approvals for something for, you know, 
20 to 80 percent of area median income, go for it, right? Just that, that's fine, but that's the cap. That's the, the highest uh, definition of affordability that the mayor is, is comfortable with and what she's introduced. By contrast, the Board of Supervisors says, well, we're not really comfortable with that. We don't want to have the lowest income people competing for spaces, you know, essentially being shut out of the process where the, the sort of rationale is, well, look, if a developer can charge more money for a higher earning person, they're going to do that. And all of the affordable, quote unquote, affordable developments will be reserved for that sort of group of people at the expense of the city's poorest who need this housing desperately. So they say, look, we're going to cap it at 120 percent of the area median income, which is a little over $100,000 a year. But we're going to insist that the average rent inside that building, inside that affordable housing project equals, uh, uh, comes out to, I guess, an average of about $70,000 a year. So they're, they're, they want to ensure that there's a mix of units inside these and, and that most of them really are, are, and at least an average number of them are reserved for lower income people below 70 grand a year or around there. There's a lot of differences in, in teacher housing too. Um, the Board of Supervisors philosophically and a lot of these are just philosophical differences. They're saying, look, if we're going to make all of this public land available for development, we don't want to have the private market or market rate units to be able to take advantage of that. We want it to be ensure that it's reserved for our, our pub, for low-income people and for uh, educators exclusively. So what does that mean? The mayor, for example, she wants to pay for teacher housing by allowing one-third of units in teacher housing projects – to be rented to anybody at any price at market rates. So you'd have two-thirds reserved for educators and school staff um, making, again, up to 140% AMI or about 120 grand. And one-third of that, you can charge whatever you want. You can charge market rate. That, those market rate apartments, those more expensive ones, would ultimately pay for the less expensive ones. So that would sort of, it's sort of um, a little bit more uh, of a closed circle there. The Board of Supervisors is comfortable with the government, you know, subsidizing more for these units if they have to, but because they do not want any private market, market rate units to be a part of these projects at all. So they're not allowing them. So this is pretty complicated stuff. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see if voters are able to make sense of it and, and what happens in uh, November. Is there reason for hope on this issue? Um, there is an affordable housing bond that's also coming up. Right. Um, so it'd be interesting, you know, how does that play into um, this this these issues? Yeah, totally. The affordable housing bond is something that everybody agrees on and is everyone is really excited about, actually, that was co-sponsored by the mayor and the uh, president of the Board of Supervisors, Norman Yee, just to kind of show like the, the kumbaya-ness around the housing bond. So yeah, um, it's going to go before voters as well in November, $600 million, as you said, for, for affordable housing and, and teacher housing projects. You've got to have that money. You've, you, you, these projects will never get built regardless of zoning if, if the city can't um, help fund these projects. And that's, that's what this bond would, would do, would create that you know, essential funding source so that these projects can get built in the first place. Is there reason for hope? Um, well, I mean, it's, it, it's really interesting to see how voters are going to look at these because they are so very similar. And you know, I, I'm not sure the extent to which the average person cares about how different these are. This is something where you have two you know, sides of a, of a political coin, if you will, the mayor and the board of supervisors exploiting what amount to 
philosophical differences around affordable housing fund. Like I'm, I'm getting bored just talking, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't resonate, that's not going to resonate with your average voter, I don't think. So whether or not they, you know, people are confused, whether or not they take the time to assess the differences and really sort of think hard about how they feel about them, I, I don't know. The Board of Supervisors, this is a, a sort of baldly political move, too. What they're ultimately hoping is that neither one of these measures make it to the ballot. What they want the mayor to do is say, OK, let's negotiate. Let's get under the big tent and all hold hands and we'll come up with something that everybody can agree on. But in order to do that, they would both have to pull those measures off the ballot and do something legislatively. And that comes with pros and cons of its own, of course. And I, d- I doubt very much that the mayor is going to acquiesce to that. But but we'll see. Uh, we can hope uh, what we have to hope for is that these affordable projects do get built and that the city can find a way to make them get built faster and and somehow you know make funding available for them and make them cheaper i mean that's what we have to hope for if that gets slowed down because of politics that's a real shame well uh thanks dom i think that's uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh a lot there to be hopeful about um but there's also a lot of caveats um uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, struck me about your story was uh, one of the developers you spoke to from Bridge Housing who said, everybody has got to be focused on this issue uh, to make a dent in it. Everyone needs to roll up their sleeves, uh, neighbors, politicians, builders. So um, we'll see if we can get uh, some some unity on the issue and move it forward. I, I think it's a good sign of the frustration that people feel over this political fighting that, you know, that, that, that throws these things into question in the first place, which is really, which is really again, the shame here, I think. So we shall see. It's not that long till November. Yep. And we'll be following the story uh, over the next few months. So thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Dom for coming on today. And thanks for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief, and Dominic Fercasa is this podcast's producer. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Have questions or tips? Email hnight at sfchronicle.com or find me on Twitter at hnightsf. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.